I know. Um, Shall we get emulate? Yeah. Where are we going here? Are we supposed to do the podcast now? What's the podcast? One of them things, isn't it, where you just like sort of talk nonsense. People love it. And so (laughs) is my wife. Welcome to a Fall Like Podcast episode 8T5. And you know your radio has been jammed. It is a futile fall show, then all 525 songs going head to head. We're now in round two in Ultimate Hootsmon Showdown. Two eras, 77 to 93 versus 94 to 17, which means player rates could not be up against Chino. But come round three, <laughs> Philip, come round three. Thank you to the annotated fall few Reformation site track record. Our brother Puritans falling five and all them. What is fall? Here's an advert. Here's an advertisement for you, Phil. Sure. On the 23rd of September... The year of yeah. 2023. Yes. What will you be doing in, in Presswitch? I will be uh, prancing around in a room along with some of my co conspirators from this podcast and friends performing uh, a version of Hey Luciani. Oh, first time since 1985, I hear. Is it going to be? So. Is it going to be any good? Um, I believe it's going to be decidedly average. <laughs> what about... Well, isn't that xylophone? It's, it's, the li- tickets are limited, though. It's a one-off performance. Uh, how one, can people yeah. get uh, tickets if they want to see such a show? So, Assuming that they're not see... listening to this podcast months in the future. Because if so, <laughs> you've missed it. It was, it was awesome. It was so good. You missed a chance in a lifetime. It's uh, Presswitch Arts Festival. So obviously Presswitch being the hometown of the one and only Marquis Smith. The uh, Arts Festival runs uh, towards the end of this year and, well, in six weeks. <laughs> and uh, we will be going through uh, Hey Luciani, like I said, for the first time since it was originally performed, as far as we're aware. Should be brilliant. And if all goes according to plan, we will have a guest who was in the original uh, performance. Ooh, I don't want to say any names. Yeah, just in case it doesn't happen. Don't but put the mockers on, Bren. In a few weeks, maybe. We will, regardless, we're going to do a Luciani uh a show, an episode based, read some of the script, talk about it, big it up, really. If it turns out that loads of people want to see it, it might be able to put it on more than once. If not, if it's just a man and his dog, well, that dog's going to be bloody happy, isn't he? <laughs> Alistair's going to be That dog it. was Mick Hucknall. Um, <laughs> tonight, Marky Chacha. Oh, oh, you can't get tickets yet. They're not on sale. That's the point. But they will be very soon. And uh, we will link in all social media and all that stuff. But get it dead exciting. It's be, it'd be brilliant. It'd be fantastic. It's good. It, it'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a yes. lot of fun. The rehearsals so far have been very energetic. It's been, uh, it's been a delight. Thoughts and prayers. And um, yes, you're all welcome. <laughs> so it's going to be cheap tickets and uh, be a good Good time had by all. So tonight, Marky Chacha versus Slanking Succession Man. Is that how you say it? Versus Chino. And Pay Your Rates versus Just Step Sways. Joined, as I've already said, by Pitt Billy William Rugby. He had to put the curly whirly back. Doing good. Lord Sage Temple. He had to put the curly whirly back. How are you doing, Lord Sage? Mm. 
Very well. I only put it back after I'd stuck it up my bum hole, so that'll Ooh. teach him. I'll learn him. Mm. Uh, joined by Pemberton S. Walker, he had to put the curly whirly back. I did, yeah. He's got chocolate on it. Got Ezra's chocolate on it. Nestle. <laughs> Ooh. Nestle. That's my quality. Panda brains. Tiny mm. Tim Chua on the other side. Cacao. Exactly. Tiny Tim Chua. <laughs> He had to put he had to put the curly whirly back and me three three team beards. All right, go on then. You're itching to play that first song, aren't you, Marky Chacha? It's also, a good song. Patreon Chippins, Chris Barrow Stoneholder, Chris um Patreon Chippins from Leon Jumble Sale, Michael E and Max W. So let's kick off sooner rather than later with a song Marky Chacha. <laughs> Cha-cha! Stranded in South America And nothing to go home for Just another Breton about And then the Spanish comes over to me I was the jumpers I broadcast now That's how I came to be Marky Cha-cha! Delightful, as is customary. Pip, you're up first. Maki Chacha off Room to Live, 1982. Oh, what a glorious tune! What a glorious, glorious tune! It's it's there's so much packed into this. I was when I was re-listening to it to for the notes. I was within the first 15 seconds of the song. You've got all this frantic guitar noise, this really incessant kind of harsh staccato thing that's going on. You've got rat-a-tat drums rolling and playing all the way through. You've got your granddad whistling fanfare, followed by his exclamation of marquee cha-cha. It's just there's so much musically tightly knit-wound into this uh, into this song. And there's also this edge of, of danger with it all, this sort of edge of bonkers in Phoenix with it all, where you can kind of hear the joins, you can see the bits that are sellotaped together, the, the the way that they've recorded it in the studio, sort of, they, they kind of wear it on the sleeve, and it all works. It all works. It all comes together brilliantly. You've got um, this weird Latino funk kind of rhythm that they get going, which would challenge anything by ESG, I think. And you've got this strange arrangement where the, the bass becomes almost, it's it's grooving, but it's got a kind of a lead role as well. Um, I, there is nothing about this song which isn't amazing. The lyrics in it are absolutely incredible uh, because educated kids do know what they're on about. Um, and I, there is nothing about this song that I don't adore. It's great. Called it, Annie. It is it is uh, very, very nice indeed. Um, but what does Ezra think? It Phil just about cracked the nut with adorable there. I mean, every time I listen back to this, I'm kind of like, what kind of cold-hearted reptilian music critic could pan an album with this song on it? You know, I mean, there's some tracks I'm not so fond of on Room to Live, but they're in the minority. And when this is the second track on the album, it's about the... Only time I can think of the fall sounded like they were doing Tropicalia <laughs> to start off with. And it it's just incredibly beautifully ramshackle and that they like kind of nicked a Stooges roof and made it sound so like bizarrely kind of upbeat and chirpy. Is this another Stooges one? 
I think yeah. so. Yeah. Let's have a let's have a listen to the uh, to what Hanley copped. It's 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 the baseline that they copped. I mean, it's it's there. You can get the rhythm and stuff, but I, it's, I think it's an acceptable lift. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, yeah, you know, yeah, like this song is, I mean, it's nice because we're in the second round and finally this episode, which is the third episode of the second round, we, all, we have all top-tier full tracks. You would have thought that if the people doing this in the first season had any fucking oomph or piss or vinegar at all, like... Every episode in the second season would just be only the classic full tracks going toe to toe. But instead, we've had two episodes of pretty <laughs> boring tracks. I mean, not turds, but yeah, in the first season, there was a lot of turd on turd action mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of gold on gold action as well. And so we only, now had, we've we only had one stinker of an episode, though, didn't we? I was thinking this this morning. Actually, there was only one episode that I remember thinking, "God, there's fucking nothing good I can say today." Oh. I think I remember that one, Phil. Yeah, mm. it was fucking hard work. When it, it was just like a week of torture. Um, this this round definitely there will be less uh, trash on trash action, but uh, I've also I prefer Ezra's wife saying it. I think round three is going to be gold on gold. It's going to be gold on gold on gold. It's going to be hard work every every week. So enjoy these uh, round two where there's some classics, but also the edge of Chang is still in the competition. Um, yes, yes, indeed. So great tune. You two think that. But what does Alistair think? Is this the first that time was... all four of us have been in the room together? In, in the same room, the very same room. Alistair, what do you think of Maki Chacha? Lovely, isn't it? Um, you know, it's, it's the room to live thing where they, they, you know, you had sort of like uh, musicians working in silo. That um, I think that adds to the sort of the, the creativity of it because like people are just doing stuff, not knowing what others have, have, have come up with. Um, so yeah, you get some very interesting writing on that LP. But um, the uh, Marquis de Timtois, um, I do. It always reminds me of a certain ratio. You kind of like. Uh, Ezra and Phil have, have made reference to sort of like the Tropicalia thing uh, in um, ESG. And yeah, it's, it's very much down that kind of like route, isn't it? But it's like a Mancunian version of it. Um, whistles at the start, bloody brilliant. Uh, love all that kind of stuff. Sean Ryder sort of like he kind of used to use that method quite a bit, which is just like atonal whistling, um, which is great if you, you know, you hate Ronnie Rinald. Um But yeah, Cracking burst line. You, you played the, the, the Stooges thing before, which is proper funky. Um, but um, on this one as well, I, I really like the drum sound because the, the kit actually sounds like a kit, um, which on the, some of the later LPs, um, extra kit. Uh, you know, it, it just it sounds it's like, you know, massively overproduced, but this is the, the, it sounds like a real drum kit. Um, you think it's Burns overlaying all that percussion, or do you think there's multiple people playing on it? 
I don't know. Go and ask him. If you can't get him, he won't, he won't answer. I've, asked, I've shouted shouted into the abyss and Carl will not give me a response. Marky Chacha, so much going on that. that Yeah, like you said, Phil, it starts off with that really chaotic kind of rumbly kind of overlaid stuff. And then it, then it breaks and that shuffle, that beautiful Latin stuff. Which again, it does sound like multiple percussionists playing, though, doesn't it? It sounds like you've got a rhythm and somebody playing off it with those didn't kind of. Yeah, um, it's like the, like the Cuban kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Tito Puente! <laughs> um, the picture that Smith paints as well, it, it does. I mean, I think I said this last time, but I think it's a bit on the nose having a Latin percussion and then singing about Latin America. And I really wish they'd used that stylistic stuff more. But I mean, the story... I wish they'd used it in Per Luciani, given the context of it all. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but one thing I liked is everyone kind of, there's there's so much space in it and everyone gets their moment in the sun. Even Craig, who's kind of sitting back in a lot of it, there's a few kind of noise breaks where he gets a little chance to scribble a little bit. And uh, just great percussion. It could go on far, far longer. You know, I'd love to have heard a 15-minute live version of it. I meant to, to say as well, actually, about the guitar, it's, it's not a technique that you hear a whole lot in punk or indie music where somebody's playing the same chord, but they invert it. So they're playing the same notes, but they're playing them in different orders as they go up the neck, so using different shapes and stuff, and he uses that really, really well. Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> again. <laughs> Well, just in, in terms of, yeah, Room to Live, really, really like this record from front front to back. Um, I think I, yeah, there isn't a track on the album that I don't like, and I think this is the standout on there. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, Stranded in South America, nothing to go home for, just another Britain at a bar. Hernandez Fiendish comes over, offers job as broadcaster. That's how I came to be, Maki Chacha. Course, we talked about how it's a possibly um and i think smith said it himself that it's it's kind of playing the lord haha who was um kind of a nazi propagandist executed for his roles in uh in those uh ww2 stuff the people of man the manchester people have bought their turkeys for christmas but they won't be cooking them he tauntingly declared and uh setting the falcons wars and um falcons one should this go through which I'm calling it. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to dig more into Smith's story because, yeah, it, it, is, it isn't a narrative per se, but it's as close as you can get. It paints a very, you know, filmic picture for me. You t- totally can imagine this being a, a short, short film. Absolutely. Um Yes, this is what, uh, so Max checked in his opinions. He says, Maki Chacha, the fall do samba. Who would have believed it in 83? The Falklands fresh in everyone's mind. Mez goes totally tropical. Um, sending out demoralizing radio vibrations to the British squaddies. All the layers of percussion really work. Yes, we all love it. The, 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 the light the light touch uh, propaganda, I think, is really funny in this song. Where he talks about, you know, when he's selling it and he's talking about the, the beer and the football being better and lower taxes and your dusky wife and all that kind of thing. I think it's it's very funny. It's very it's very deftly kind of picked these lines, aren't they, to create a really evocative picture. Yeah, because you can imagine like a straight down the line thriller movie where the the dude sat in the bar and he's got the you know he's got the and he's got the panama and he's kind of making his defense whereas smith's the man and he's like he's kind of like underplaying it he's like well you know what do you know in a weird way it's it's very much like the fall 
actually, isn't it? You know, the novella by oh, Cameron, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where yeah. it's like it's it's almost like a confessional, isn't it? In a coffee shop, it's uh, it has got that kind of vibe about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, what does Tiny Tim Marky Twatwa think? Well, I'll I'll Timothy Twatwa tell you. He's Ports. Uh, there we go. What's not to like? Contentious but funny lyrics, wonderful vocal performance, and a weird but hypnotic grooving performance. I love the way the intro skitters and shuffles around, and the bass line plus woodblock percussion is superb. Doesn't really sound like anything else uh, they did, I think. Musically, I mean, top tier. You know what? Stu's such a such a cheeky character. I wouldn't be surprised if he gave us exactly the same notes. And, and then halfway through round two, he pointed that out. Have you noticed something about my notes? The <laughs> word for word, the same thing I said in round one. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, does it? Slim you with a tilted rim. You calling him out now? Oh yeah, it's Stu. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna go and check though. Too much work. <laughs> it is up against slang king of the wonderful and frightening world of the fall the wonderful side 1984 that chorus it's such a cheeky cheesy thing paul hanley i, I believe um uh, on those keys ezra you're up first lad what do you think of slanking oh yeah i very much love this one like um i think, think it, yeah i like it was the first time for me to hear it the last time it came through here hmm. and you know there's that rumor of miles davis having maybe thought about potentially playing with the fall and if memory serving me correct it was you that kind of uh brendan that mentioned that it was maybe because he'd listened to the track slanking and it, that just made perfect sense to me because this track is just so kind of in the pocket it's so nicely done like no one's kind of soloing or doing anything flashy they're all just holding down the respective places and it's just a fantastic taught piece of music. I really, really love the fucking the groove of it. And you get that great kind of doorsy keyboard solo coming in for the choruses. And yeah, I, I think it's really, I think it's a really, really great track. And, and the lyrics are very opaque. I mean, it, it to my mind, it just seems to be about the fact that um, Smith just got married. He's quite pleased about it and he wanted to write something that uh, carried that joy, um, but obviously didn't want to be too on the nose about, about it. Like, uh, yeah, the lyric part that I, 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 I liked was, uh, this is Mr. and Mrs. Smith, <laughs> to whom you are speaking, slanking, words from a cheap man, port paid type, who got his style from a pressed treatise, £2.50, bottle of Brute, and nausea magazine and i just love the way that he's broken 
the line there. So it's between bottle of brute and nausea. And then the next line is just the one word, magazine. And you're like... Is he referring to the band? Is that nausea magazine? Or is he like kind of seeking refuge in a magazine from the nausea of the brute? What did he say? It's not very tasty, the, the stuff that um, Emmy Cooper used to advertise. Bless you, don't know. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I think this is fucking sick song. Um, and a lot of the wonderful and frightening world, I think they're really in their first and, well, maybe their second prime, but they really hit into something very nice there with bricks. And this is like the first flush of it. What, uh, it's a what, strong, strong. What BPM do you reckon this track is? Because it's got, a, it, it's it's quite urgent. It, it moves you along, doesn't it? It's got quite a good tempo to it. And it's like, it is that groove, Ezra. It's, that's the first, you just lock into it all the way through the song. It's like a real, it's not a shuffle, but it kind of shuffles along, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no idea on the BPM. I can I can feed it into my DJ soft gear, if you like. And see I'm calling it, that I'm says, calling it yeah. one, 120, I reckon. 140. I would I'll go 140 on it. <laughs> any, any more bidders? <laughs> Alice, so what do you, you make of Slang King? It's a really good pop song, like, but um, in a sort of folly way. Because um, it's when they were kind of like moving away from the more experiment, well, man, the more post punky uh, kind of stuff uh, into like the, the pop territory, um, which, you know, Bricks had a big influence in that. Uh, she definitely like brought a new sort of sensibility to the band but it's still got that um background fall thing to it but it's like it's kind of uh, mashed up a bit with like it's like old school fall mashed up with something like altered images at times um but it's not like really good pop writing um you know the the, the main guitar riff that sort of like holds down the uh the verses is like it's got a really nice groove to it um really reminds me of something that that's like an old blues song, um, but it, it, it's completely different in the in the same respect. It's just like there's something there, sheer quality that I can't kind can't of pin down at the moment. Uh, but it's it's just a really good um, solid tune, isn't it, Brendan? I'm going to have to disagree. Oh yeah, um, go on, disagree away. As much as I love that chorus, I love those cheesy keys. I love the slang. Um, and and I think his lyrics are great. The the verse itself and the rest of the instrumentation, it doesn't do it for me. It's for me, it's not memorable. It's not catchy enough yeah. as a pop tune. Um, so that's a, that's a bit where I think uh, it's more like old school fall. Um, you know, like something off Hex uh, Induction or uh, what's that? Like bricks on it, didn't it? Uh, sorry, put a bit of bad language at bricks on it. Uh, well, like be, but I think we're missing. I think I think I needed some more. That again, it's only those keys and that that chorus that sticks out to me. Although there's a nice phasing on on Mez's vocals, and it's a nice kind of deeper groove. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but um, I just want more. It's now an escape route. Swingo greets Lime Green receptionist. All here is Ace Vol Media Craig for his honors binge. During his Scandinavian stint, he said hi to Horst the Viking. Hi-ho, Lord Swingo. Um, dropping off, he stopped at a British shop. Swoop, swoop, slanking. Um, and he had to put the Kelly Willy back, apparently. But other than that, it was a good trip to the shops. Max says, rhymes with wanking, but not wanky. He's got a point. 
This is very bricks and all the better for it, a great illustration of the alchemy when Californian sunshine is let into dank Lancastrian art hovel. This line, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, to whom you are speaking, actually thrills me 40 years after first listening. Not only does Bricks help create this masterpiece, but she gets bigged up by her hobby in the lyrics. Sure. For me, it's an easy one, though. What does Tim think? Oh, yeah. Tim is any No longer any pretense of him being a ghost. Well, that stopped after about 10 episodes, didn't it? When he was still Peel, when he was still John let's, Peel. Let's let's kill him off in another way for this round. Okay. It's <laughs> uh, like a all right track, nice enough groove, but it doesn't grab me like the murky cha cha does. I do love the little keyboard xylophone-ish little arpeggio figures that crop up in the chorus, and I love the spoken word bits too. But overall, I think the musical texture is a bit pedestrian and sort of blankly psychedelic. Decent track. Yeah, and he wouldn't even be sold by those cheesy keyboards. Like, I think for him, that would be, uh, be like, oh, no, no, thank you. But, um, yeah, well, it's time to take a vote. I am going easy. No, it's not. I've set out. Mm-hmm. Oh, for fuck's again. sake. Again? Missing me out again? What? What about Phil? Brandon. <laughs> if we must. What do you think, Phil? Thank you, Al. Thank you, Al. Uh, yeah, Brendan, why did you take the curly whirly back? Um, I really like this. I think you're wrong. I think it's effortless cool. I think it's great. I, I, I love the, the groove that they, they get going. The, uh, the, the, uh, the blank psychedelia, as Stu called it, I, I think it's great. I'm, I'm all up for that, really. He seems really happy as he's singing it, and I really like that vibe. I like, like what Ezra said about it being all in the pocket and it's like nobody is outshining anybody else. It's just a really great arrangement where everybody compliments each other. Um, yeah, I, the only thing for me is I think it outstays its welcome a little bit. I would have chopped it off, chopped about 60 seconds off the end, I think, and it would be it would be perfect. But it, it does go on a little bit uh, and it's not quite strong enough to pull off that last little bit. But... Um, well, yeah, other than that, I thought it was great. Yeah, f- five minutes, I think. Um, yeah, two and a half, three-minute pop song. I really liked it more, but uh, needed more. Which way are you going to vote, though, Pip? Uh, yeah, making cha-cha. It's not Marky, really, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, about, uh, how about you, Ezra? Slanking, Ooh! which is 114 BPM. 114. 114. Yeah, okay. 120 takes it then. Aye, not bad, not bad. Um, Alistair, which way are you going? Uh, Marky Cha Cha. Aye, and both of our voters, Max and uh, Michael Lee, have gone for Marky Cha Cha, as have I, and I'm, I'm guessing Tiny Tim has as well. Yes, yeah. It's a route. Philistine. <laughs> well, in a that was the way. hardest one for me. Um, second one. This next one was the hardest one for me. That the the old school ones were easy, easy for me. But uh, next we have um, Succession Man off uh, Light User Syndrome, nineteen ninety six. Sorry, <laughs> Stu was not happy about this. Was it this week? <laughs> you can fuck off. I had enough of him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You're the one who always runs the show. Sensation. 
If Kevin Rawlins was singing that with a proper full backing band, that would be a number one hit. That would be Come On Eileen Part 2. That is a beautiful pop song. Alistair, Succession Man. Um, yeah, if you're going to do cheese, oh, God, make it stinky. Or this one's yeah. a stinky one, isn't it? It's, it's all right. Danish stinky blue. Danish blue, this. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, I really do quite like it in, in a way. It's just one of those that, that stands out as like, man, you wouldn't really expect the fall to do something like that. But they did. They went and did it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very much like the um, demo mode on your uh, on your keyboard. Uh, you know, it's the, the, the guy who sort of like uh, sings down the local pub occasionally. Oh, we've got a singer on tonight. Um a vocalist. A vocalist, yes, yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like really well constructed. Uh, it's it, you know, like you said, it's a, it's a very good sort of like pop tune. Um, but yeah, I, it's just the, the audacity of it all that that, that wins it over for me. Um, what what I said to cheeky monkeys? Oh, is, is your sample packs arrived yet, Brendan? Yeah, they've been. I've been. I've already. I've already put them on cloud and sold them to some backpack yeah. rappers. What? Um, what does this do for Tim? He's popped. The song cracks me up for the first two minutes and then goes on a bit too long for the joke to stay funny. Those brass stabs are fucking awful and the lyrics are bafflingly bad. Don't need to mince my words. Inside, outside, do the hokey-cokey. I can't believe this is in the second round. Ha, fucking ha. Well, I'm calling it. It's going through to the third round as well. But it should, um... win. It should win. <laughs> no, pumpkin soup. I love it. It's the last track. It's proper cheesy hand claps and program beating the first, probably the first one to have that style. And they did it. They did it a few throughout. Right, the- so did you use the word style then? <laughs> <laughs> Vibes, very northern so style. Reckon style. Christmas with Simon is in is in this oh, realm. Easy. And that, that was before this, right? Yeah, yeah. It's I- not it's not as cheesy as this though, is it? Christmas it's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it is the same vibe, totally. I yeah. think it's Nagel getting getting a chance to run, and she does an absolutely wonderful job of it. I I wouldn't be surprised if she basically played in her preset paradise. <laughs> it's so unfall chintzy synth brass, which I love. A low rumbling bass, but it did need a proper James Jameson bass line. That that would have you know that. That something uh, really uh, deft and kind of um, melodic kind of bass line would have would have propelled it. It doesn't build in the way a pop song does. It comes in, and although it does get a little bit more intense towards the end, it doesn't do what it would have done in the hands of say Dexys or some big kind of band with a proper foot. But but it's it's almost like a demo of what you could do with you take that and then you put it with with a real set of instruments and yet a proper singer. <laughs> and you got a hit single. But it's like you would <clears throat> the singer would normally be the one taking it up, wouldn't it? I mean the reason the band would get more intensive so the singer's got something to sing against, isn't it? And uh, yeah, yeah. and 
Smith refuses to do that, doesn't he? He's just he just sings it in first gear all the way through the song. And it was it really reminds me of you heard that Richard Harris version of MacArthur Park. Oh yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like by the by the last note, because it's going up and up and up. And Richard Harris is by no means a virtuoso vocal performer. <laughs> and it's like as as the mix gets in the last 10 seconds, it's like the backing vocal takes more and more of the front of the sound. That, <laughs> so you that... can't actually hear Richard Harris at the end. Dumbledore one rest in peace but you know like I think in like Sharon Jones and that uh Dap Kings like imagine if they got their hands on this that it would be an absolute stormer of a tune fair enough mate yeah the lyrics you know they're they're a bit anodized it's like he did he did double down on the fact is you know I gotta gotta get up early in the morning and gotta get my early warning (laughs) yeah yeah but there's there's something of the what's this Neil Hamburger kind of resentful cabaret singer who is like you know who's railing against the session band that gets more money than he does even though he's the talent and they're ruling the day. I quite like that vibe for this song. I think with the cabaret backing, that's quite a funny juxtaposition. Do we say like a whiff of uh, Phoenix Nights to the, the old composition? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's it's um it's big band on a budget. It's Casio. It's a it's a Casio Nelson Riddle. It's uh you know kind of but what what kind of nails it is just one chord change right so when it goes into that bit there was you know, i'm the one who always runs the show that where the chord change comes is beautiful it's just it is a very very well written pop song and uh god bless it but what does what does someone else think Phil, what do you think of this yeah i'm a big fan of it uh to um Gosh, yeah, you caught it by surprise there. Yeah, I've I've said that I've I guess I've said the main things that I was going to say about this. The only other thing you have already said something about this song? No, I only I I've re- I commented to what other people said, but I I've kind of said what I'd written in my notes. But the only other thing is uh, just the Serge Gainsbourg kind of vibe that he's got going on with it all. It's uh which is something I'm very partial to. Indeed. Ezra, what's uh how's this tickle you? Well, as last track on albums go, I think this might be the best last track in the history of recorded albums. Uh, I think it's got a very strong chance of being the greatest thing the Fall have ever done. I think it's a very serious piece of work, and I think it deserves serious consideration. It's fucking beautiful beyond belief. It's like a masterclass in, in corporate shamanism. Like, you know, it, it reminded me actually of listening to, uh, I think, Phil introduced it uh was it exuma oh yeah yeah the last uh al's game we did yeah 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 so you know like the way they've got like people kind of just like by the mic to do these kind of yeah. low rent kind of uh theatrical sounds and it's beautiful of course and it just kind of reminded me of this because i was thinking well either julia nagel put all this together and then played it to mark and was like yeah i was thinking about doing this with the band and mark was like no, no, let's just get it rolling. I'll sing. It's good to go. Or she was so pissed off with him that she just picked a, a preset and played it to him. And was like, yeah, I was thinking about this for the band. It's kind of hard to tell. And like you were saying, Brendan, there is actually some really nice, interesting depth in the, in the music that goes on there, even though it's all just like atrocious, like fucking synth brass pops and and, and all the rest of it. It's great. And, you know, yeah, like, to me, it feels like he's some kind of, like, corporate fucking leader on an ayahuasca retreat who's a bit worried that he's, like, you know, 
past his best. So he's reeling off the cardinal directions, you know, inside, outside, turnaround, <laughs> a recession man. And like, there's this great kind of darkness in the lyrics, you know, like it really feels like um, some kind of psychodrama that's going on, you know, like I got to get up early in the morning to get my early warning. And what was it? He, he's like talking about how how they're both in cages and stuff like that. I think it's such a fantastic song. Really just fucking chef's kiss. Perfect. Very, very good. Couldn't be better in any way. Oh, um, I think you, you, you could well be right that, that uh, Nagel, or probably I should refer to her as Adamson, as that's, I think, that's what she goes by for most of her life, other than the, like the three years when she was in the fall. Um, but she, um, I can absolutely imagine her putting together this as a demo and playing it to Smith and Smith just refusing to do anything other than sing over it and pass it out. It's good enough. It's good enough. And um, yeah, because this is probably the first thing. Uh, she's not credited as a writer on the on the sleeve, but um, I, it, it's got to be. I'd love to ask her one day. And she'd just go, no, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> Cal Burns wrote it all, because but it's, but it's written by Smith and Burns. It's like, oh, I don't think so. Maybe though. So, but you imagine you're doing it all, and um, and her imagining. I got this, this, this big vision for it. It's like, oh, no, whatever. Just single bit <laughs> done. Album's done. Um, Max says a session on proper chord progressions, and is that a key change? Strangely jazzy number. I can't work out if it's a drum machine or a funky sign full metronomic mode. The bass almost sounds programmed in places too. I I thought that. This is why I thought that. Everything possibly is was done by the person who programmed it. But is the is the it sounds like it's got a vibraphone on it or something. That's that's analog. Okay. I mean, when I hear it, I don't discern any instruments outside of like a synthesizer. No, I don't. I don't think that. think the vibraphone, like the xylophonic kind of sound. I swear. We'll re-listen to it again. What's and uh, I, I reckon it is. I'm putting my money on his. Fair enough. Well, we'll ask. We'll ask uh, Carl. You're on vibraphones. The fall are tight, <laughs> but not this We just tight. need you to take on the vibraphones. <laughs> There's got. To... So thanks, Julie. We're just going to use your demo as it is, but we're just going to bring in um, Lionel Hampton to just add a few notes. <laughs> The hump. We've we've spent the entire <laughs> recording budget on flying Hampton over for, from his rest home uh, to to add these three northern soul notes to it. Um, a catchy number, he continues, would sound good leaking from an open cupboard. And he says, "There's got to be some sequencing going on. The fall are tight, but not this tight." And I, I'm with him on that. Um, but it's up against Chino uh, from 2010, so a long, long time later. Off your future, Arc Letter. This is an actual example of the operational experience. When you thought at first it was going out, but in fact it was going in.
long intro though, wasn't it, Pip? It was a very long intro, but uh, but a nice one indeed. Uh, that love that deep bass and and multiple like woozy tones, and then we just heard a little bit of that sweet desert riff from Greenway. Um, best one of the best of this era, one of the best on your future clutter in my mind. And uh, does it start to speed up? I ask, and then right at the very end, there's some very very sweet mez noises of him kind of clicking and breathing into the. Uh, into the mic that seems to be about uh, wanting to get out of hospital which i think a lot of um your future kind of is um when do i quit this hell when do i quit this hospital my darling um originally apparently titled chino splashback <laughs> possibly something to do with getting um some urine on his pants um been interpreted according to the mighty fall uh, annotated that uh, it was about the end of the fall but i'm not sure by i will go the, with this and while i'm here um i couldn't remember the miles davis thing as random well I, I i vaguely remember that that was a story but i couldn't remember the details so i had a quick check and apparently not wanting to um incur the wrath of danny I thought I'd better double check. And uh, it, it, it seems to be the story, which is doesn't seem to be granted any fact, is about Autotech Pilot, which is uh, weird. But uh, I can imagine him digging those those cheeky, cheeky keys on, on Slanking. Um, he did at that time uh, collaborate with Scritty, Politi and, and Pill. So it's, it's certainly um, someone was playing him, that uh, stuff from that kind of uh, realm. So... But, but sadly, it was not to be. Yet, I digress. Ezra, what do you think of uh, Chino? Well, you just answered my main question there, actually, Brendan, which is why is the song called Chino? Because chinos are a kind of trousers. And yeah, you know, it's not obvious that it's about trousers in the lyrics. This is a really fucking great one, actually. Uh, I really like it. Like, yeah, I mean... I, I got the feeling that he was kind of talking about, yeah, how much longer do I have to torment myself in this position as mouthpiece of the fall? Um, but, you know, of course, you know, he's going to soldier on, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, the, the lyrics are wonderful. Like, I'll read some that you didn't. The warmth that is inside cannot be made by your own scenes, ink. She had. She has lips like Fede Legrand. The warmth that is si sliding cannot be made. When do I quit? Can I leave this trench alone? And I love that stuff about the warmth sliding, my like maybe sliding away from you. It, it's got this nice kind of cosmic entropy feel to it. It really feels like whether he's singing about the hospital or his role in life, like it, it really has this kind of cosmic finality to it, which is quite affecting and quite beautiful. But it isn't succession, man. It, it certainly is not. But Alistair, what do you think of chino splashback chino chino oh, apparently sorry chino apparently in in um again annotated fall pointed out that there is a prison in chino california um which um which was a movie charles bronson movie and they wonder whether the connection is the and it could be multiple of course he could be talking about urine trousers and uh, correctional facilities as hospitals there's room in this world for all of those things hey, look at that line he's pissed <clears throat> Yeah, Chino, though, it's, it's that Joy Division riff. Can't remember the name of the song, but it's off from No Pleasures. Um, that, that's always sort of like stood out to me quite a bit. Um, but it's a good lift. 
and uh, you know they, they've dealt with it quite creatively like the synths were, were quite nice at the beginning but and then you, you, you've got the progression and it's all like very good and it's definitely room to stuff this like you know it's a, a decent tune well worth uh, well it's one of, one of the better ones from from the LP um, yeah. I, but it's not succession oh it's certainly not. Uh, it put out the right stuff in round one. Or while Succession Man put out Happy Holiday. Um, neither of which sadly are Succession Man. Phil, what about this song Chino Splashback? Would you say it's it's Succession Man or a different beast? I would I would say it's not Succession Man. Okay. Personally, I think this is a, a, a different beast. Um I, do you know what? I really got into this one actually this week. It's it's uh, the first thing I've written is proper trippy, which I, I think is a good describer of how the song starts. Um, but I, it's it's lyrically where I, I thought it was the most interesting. I think Greenway and Eleni work really really well together for, from a, a musical point of view. I don't think there's anything much else going on with it, uh, but. Um, the the existential vibe that he's sort of meditating on all the way through it is it's like the ultimate punk integrity question, isn't it, for the artist? Like, when do I quit? When do I give up? When when is it when is it appropriate for me to stop? And of course, the answer is never. You just never. burn yourself into the when ground. When you die, exactly. Yeah. So I, I I think it's a really really great song. This, like I said, it's it's proper round two stuff. This. Uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't sound like it's going to fur very well against the competition, though, does it? Oh, uh, well, put it this way. Stu's not voting for it, and um, there's all to play for. But, uh, yeah, it's got its work cut out. I think because, it, and I don't know how many of these went through, but there's a bunch of those spacious, deserty, Hittite man, younger cloth kind of vibe ones, But and we like them all, but I think we have voted most of them out. So although they're... Those kind of expansive tracks with the twangy, gazety guitar. Um, I hope some of them make it through because we really do like them. And um, pretty but, sure Hittite might made it through. I don't know if it did. Let me have a look. Oh yeah, it must have done. Surely. Oh yeah, yeah. it beat it beat Younger Cloth actually, and Younger Cloth almost got a second chance. The Hittite monster. I think that's possibly the the best of of that style. I mean, I feel like as well for this song. I think he gets into a lot of the same themes on Weather Report and maybe 986 Generator 2, and I feel yeah. like those are the songs for my money. I think so. Maybe Slippy Floor and a couple of others around that kind of. It seemed to be the Your Future Clutter particularly. I always get I get a lot of the tracks mixed up, like the Showcase, Mexico Wax Solvent, Hot Cake, Slippy Floor, Chino, the, they all kind of merge together in my mind. Maybe I just need to spend more time with it. But I actually like them all, but but they're not um, they're not distinct. Um, probably just means they made a consistent album. So good lads, well done. Um, what does Stuart dead Stuart dead on the other side? Stuart, <laughs> Stu dead or otherwise? Stu dead in this story, um, invisible. Think. <clears throat> well, he's got a wonderful atmospheric masterpiece. Half war-wounded, half contemporary hospital admission. I love the noisy washes of sound and the weird backing vocals that sweep around. Lyrically, it's really evocative too. That warmth that is sliding cannot be made. Be your own scenes, ink. Great stuff. Yeah, it's so this was not difficult for me in the end, in terms of like which song do I want to hear more, which song do I love, but I feel kind of a bit bad at 
I'm going to reveal now that I'm voting for Succession Man because um, Chino is quote unquote a better fall song, but uh, Succession Man is the best fall song. So, um, would you say it's uh, objectively better as our friend Ben Wallace said? I asked him for a list of criteria extensive. He had 172 points, and this um, wins in 171 of them. It's the, the one it doesn't win is like, do you like it more? <laughs> which, which actually uh, vetoes all of the other criteria. So I have thrown my hat and dice into the ring or square. Um, Ezra, which way are you going? There is no other way. It's succession, man. There is no other way. Um why you why interesting that's a blur uh song and uh, when you when you thought when you mentioned presets earlier for nagel have you seen that video where damon alban is talking to uh what's that radio one chap called the australian so he's and he says like any yeah and he goes um he goes he brings out some some synth and he presses the demo button and it's like what like what was it clint eastwood the the big big hit that he had and it's literally just the preset uh and um very good so i'm all for presets is what i'm saying Phil, presets so you, rock presets do rock especially the rock setting <laughs> in black. um philip yeah secession man oh Ooh. <laughs> alistair uh yeah secession man yeah no point in playing around at this point is there um max has gone for succession man as well while Michael Lee is the sensible one here, has gone for Chino. Um, I'm, I'm imagining Disco Stew is going for Chino. Uh, oh, yes. So that means it's a route for Succession Man and Chino goes in the bin. Ooh, in the bin. I don't, I, I, at this point, I can't promise there's going to be a second chance back. I think there will be, but not, there won't be a lot of spaces in Succession Man. Uh, is is already through, so we don't have to worry about that. But Chino, <laughs> it's got absolutely no chance in a second chance bag anyway, because so many gems are going to have to go into that bag anyway. Let's all put the curly whirly back and move on to the last showdown of the evening, which is easy, isn't it? Pay your rates, grotesque, nineteen eighty, the greatest opening track to any album in history. <laughs> What is there to say, Philip? Pay your rates, grotesque, 1980. Oh, there's plenty to say. There's plenty to say about this. The thing that I really noticed this time listening to it was how much sibilance he gets on the word rates every time he says it during the microphone. I pay your rates. Uh, in proper Stuart Lee fashion. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a psychobilly number, isn't it? <clears throat> it's uh, It plays all kinds of dissonant and deranged descending, uh, wrong chords and sloppy bends and lots of uh, nice prepared piano kind of sounds off the off the top end of the guitar. Um, I, and I, 
<laughs> the thing that always gets me about this record is just how slapstick it feels. It does kind of feel like people running around chasing each other to me, this song. It feels like very uh, comic booky kind of uh, dynamic and energy about it all. Um, it's a lot of fun as well uh, for it. It's bouncy. Um, the only thing that's that's a bit of a drawback for me is that it's it's it leans a bit too much into that punkiness, which I'm not particularly keen on with the fall. But other than that, it's, uh, yeah, like you say, it's one of those gems. Yeah, it's silly without being comedy. So it's got it's, it's just something wry, kind of like silly, cheeky, kind of. It's not it's no succession, man. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Ezra. It's pumped firmly in its cheek, isn't it? Yes. Ezra, what do you make to uh, pay your rates? Uh, it's a perfect piece of pulverizing pop pleasure. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I love it how it kind of just goes from that jaunty, yet thuggish kind of like fucking punk opening into this like kind of melting chromium, like weird harmonics and like. Ugh. And. Yeah, you know, like uh, such <laughs> such a funny, funnily written song as well. Like I just love it when the, he's got the couplet: "If your rate's too high, put your life on this bit of paper," which, which I think really just sums it up perfectly. <laughs> what they're going for here, you know, like yeah, you know, get it all on the all on the paper. Everything about your existence, get it on the paper. Pay your rates. Keep your nose clean and. So yeah, it, it it's kind of perfect satire, I think. Like just so nicely done. Uh it's a shame that you can't actually hear necessarily the lyrics other outside the pay your rates. So, you know, I guess you do get the uh, get the message loud and clear. But yeah, fucking, you know, great opening to one of the greatest albums. Yeah, and so even the the, the punky bit at the beginning, it sounds like everything's all the strings are loose on the guitars. It's like it's not tight and aggressive. It's like bum, 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 bum. it's like it's like. But you know they can play punky stuff because we've heard it in those really early tracks. They wanted to straight down the line slap, but it's like Craig and Steve just like they're not. They've taken what is essentially like the beginning of a damned song and just like wobbled it up, and um, and it's all the better for it. And um, I mean, so then. But then Smith adds stuff about council estates on top. And then over the years, he talked about it because Smith being Smith, it wasn't just a silly throwaway line that he got off a, a poster. It It is a comment on how the Labour Party built social housing that then eventually backfired and trapped everybody in these um kind of areas that they couldn't get out of and and gave Mike Lee a career and uh <laughs> uh under that that debtors retreat estate is a was a common term um, including Michael Parkinson's autobiography according to the annotated fall Parky really? Parky really? was Parky was born in uh in Cudworth a mining village in South Yorkshire in those names it was nicknamed debtors retreat and my dad told me the rent collectors walked around in purrs but that autobiography must have come out years and years after the song. So um, I don't think um, as was channeling Parky. But um, it's it's beautiful. And 
there's enough in there that once you spend some time with it, pay your rates, pay your rates, pay your rates. It just, I just listen to it over and over again. Pay your rates, pay your water rates, pay the borough. It's like, it's just a magnificent thing to chant. It's good. It's just so rich and it's kind of like, he clearly doesn't mean it. So obviously it's sarcasm. It's satire. It's, it's just awesome. I, I, it's, I'm calling it, it's probably my favorite fall song. It's no succession, but uh, that's sorry, on the list. But all the other, all the other favorite fall songs. Is there's there's about fifteen in giant first place. Yeah, Alistair, what do you make to pay your rates? I thought it was on slates, but there you go. Um, it's dead minimal. Um, that's what I really like about it. You know, it's got a lot of energy to it, and the, the drop down bass works really well with it. And it gets a little bit on the psyche side, I think, on, on the, the, the drop down. But yeah, it's a uh, that simple moronic riff, and it's proper moronic, uh, but with a manic playing, which I think uh, Phil was kind of alluding to with it, the sort of like, the energy. Um, but that, along with the uh, menacing vocal delivery and uh, it ticks a lot of boxes and uh, i can imagine it had been a pretty fantastic live tune to get the uh, the audience going indeed let's hear it for the working class traitors what does Stu think <laughs> what's it right i'm not Steve. saying those two comments are related god, god forbid <laughs> A beautiful blast of bile and everything is just perfect. It's falling apart, shambling and sinister, but ironic and gurning like Gargoyle missing half a nose. Hey, Bob, Brendan was right. No contest. No contest, innit? Um, Max reckons, uh, I I bet this had the mosh pit bouncing back in the day, like uh, like uh, Al just said, but now it sounds a bit unremarkable to my ears, but I have listened to it a lot of times, so it's hard to tell if that's fur. Max, it is not fur. It is a remarkable song. You are wrong. What about what it's up against, which is Just Step Sways, the worst song on Hex Induction Hour, objectively speaking. Excite you, does not. Like you've used up all your allowance of experiences. It's a great riff. I cannot, I cannot argue with that riff, that riffage that just batters you for like five minutes. Uh, haven't placed it anywhere, you know. I don't think it's lifted. It sounds like it. Uh, it is pretty much an original thing. Uh, but for me, when I look at that hex track list, it's 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 a sugar rush on an album of some really deep, moody kind of things, and then you get the little sugar rush. But it's not enough of a sugar rush to be um, some pop gem. It's not succession. That is, what, I guess, what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So the classical jawbone hit Priest Fortress. I guess Mia Sude, Margarita, maybe not so much. Winter, who makes the Nazis Iceland on this day? They make up such a strong thing, and I just, um, it just 
has the wrong kind of Riley feel. As much as I love Riley, it feels like this is the only point on the record where Riley gets to shine. And um, he probably had nothing to do with it. But uh, yeah, not for me, even though um, the Eastern Bloc rocks to Elton John. Another song about estates and class, you know, but uh, <laughs> it's not like we're short on those. Ezra, what do you reckon to Just Step Sways? Well... It isn't Succession Man, but I'll tell you one thing. If you found me unconscious, naked, in a ditch, covered with raw egg yolks... Again? Again, and you played me one piece of music to try and bring me back to my senses, and you played me this one, I think you would forgive me if I thought it was Succession Man. So it's pretty close. And I think what I'm trying to say by that is that as as you love Pay Your Rates, Brendan, so I love this song, like... For me, it's a high point on Hex. And it, it, it's one of the things that's super interesting to me is for a, a, a group that, you know, whose lead singer kind of traded on being uh, indecipherable, um, especially with the albums. This is one of the interesting things is that and I haven't listened to all of the live fall stuff that's available, but a lot of the fall stuff that's live that you listen to, his you know, you can really hear what he's saying as opposed to on the albums, which is always interesting to me. Um, and like I say, I've mostly only listened to stuff from around the, the, the early 80s and even then maybe not so much. But then on on Hex, which is maybe the most cryptic album they did, arguably, um, you have these two songs where his lyrics come through quite loud and clear. And one of them is this one, and the other one is Who Makes the Nazis? And so for me, both these songs are really interesting because they're the closest he ever came to giving some kind of moral, political, philosophical stance on anything and it being actually audible to the record-buying public. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I really like it because, I mean... Of course, there are two ways of reading this. One is that, like, oh, just avoid the dog shit and you'll be all right. But, you know, I, I feel like it's more of a kind of step sideways from this dog shit and do something else with your time. Uh, don't ever hit that vulgar cave. And, yeah, you know, I, I just, I really like... Uh, I really like the whole kind of just get outside of this fucking hideous, futurist, modernist, fucking Bacardi bullshit that you're being served. So it was always a big anthem for me, this song. Like, you know, I mean, in the ways that some people might like Rage Against the Machine, I was like, this is like a song that's got the perfect message for me. And I can really appreciate that. So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, if you compare pay your rates and um, step sways, they are similar in some sense in message, but where pay your rates is sarcastic and doesn't really offer any advice. This is quite a hopeful uh, 1984 dystopian song, I think. So there is, there is, um, there is that about it. What about uh, Philip? What do you think? This is one of the first fall songs that I got into, really. So it was on that initial tape that I had. And, and being a guitarist, it's got such a great riff on it that instantly you just want to learn how to play that riff, which I did. Um, and then as I've as as I've got 
uh, all of the the tune, I've I've come to realise that I didn't really spend that much time listening to the actual song. I just spent a lot of time learning the riff, which was great. And the song itself, given the fact it's only three and a half minutes, it's, it feels longer than that. I mean, and the main reason is because they're just battering you over the head with this photo floor. Uh, it's it does remind me a little bit of Northern Soul kind of uh, kind of feel to it all. Um, well, it's the same beat as well. When it breaks down and you just get the drums, that is the classic Northern Soul beat, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah. The, the one they yeah. use on the "I'm the Resurrection" and uh, totally, yeah, all those yeah. things. Um, so it's 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 a great tune to like play along with, but it does it feels. I think the first forty seconds of the song, it doesn't put a foot wrong, and it gets you really excited, and it's it's great. All the little touches, the the mumbled fanfare from Mez, and then the uh, the way the bass comes in with that great run, and then just sort of locks into the to the to the groove that's already been set down is is all perfect. It's great, it gets you really excited, but it just doesn't do anything else for me. Then, and it's I, I do find that a little bit uh, a little bit disappointing with the song, but. It's a it's a great tune, and it is it's it's one of those first ones that got me into the film. It's a bit like that theory that I've had about uh, the Beatles about it's you know it's McCartney that gets people into the Beatles, and it's Lennon's the reason they stay kind of thing. I think that's it's uh, it's it's a bit like that. But I was I was gonna I was gonna say about um, I can't remember who mentioned it before, but about the poppiness that they get from Riley and the poppiness that they get from Bricks. Um, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. The fact that they've they've got these different vibes. Um, it's both poppy, but they both seem to kind of lift it in in that way that the fall always needs. I think it's otherwise it's just too oppressive, isn't it? It's just too dark and and dank. And like you said, this is like a little bit of a sorbet on that album to just kind of perk it up a bit. Yeah, it seems like someone always kind of played that role. Um. Once they got past witch trials, but even witch trials, you had Yvonne on those cheeky keys, right? There was always somebody. But yeah, Riley's songwriting or input in terms of that cheeky or cheesy kind of pop element. And then Bricks brought in more, I guess, of the cool kind of West Coast kind of vibe to it. And then more of an indie kind of thing almost. And, and maybe even Funky Siler around with some of those jazz touches or the the, the other instruments yeah there's now. one yeah a lot of people kind of bringing uh things in i would say um it's interesting for me this song i, I realized later what happened on chino that's what i wanted for this one i think the lads version of the band could have done an absolutely storming version of this and maybe that battering riff which originally is the sugar rush but then, yeah, words off for me pretty quickly. That battering riff, just imagine Greenway is playing it in kind of a twangier style and Elaine is in there and it's kind of got a little bit more room and a bit more space. And Smith's not delivering in the same way. Um, but then I imagine it's a totally different sign at that point. So whatever. What does Tim think? Well, let's see. Here's put uh, a cocky and cheeky number with a dashing of glam, maybe. I like it a lot, and I think it serves perfectly on Hex, with a bit of lightness to break up the pummeling, but it doesn't quite tickle me in just the right spots like Payorette. Yeah, and that's the, um, that's the thing for me as well, if I think of it in terms of Hex. Like I said, it, it, um, I needed another dour, dirgy thing, not uh, some Riley 
cheekiness but uh, I, I feel I'm, I'm I'm damning it more than I actually feel because I think like you feel it was one of the first songs I heard and that riff sticks with you it's a bit like uh, Waiting for My Man or something isn't it by the Pixies yeah. you can hear that and then it's oh yeah I'll, I'll hear some more by this band and then it drags you into the noisy stuff then doesn't it yeah indeed mm-hmm. so have we heard from everyone yeah Alistair, what do you think of uh, Sways? Uh, yeah, pretty much what you've been saying. Uh, I did scribble down sort of uh, bouncy northern soul beats. Uh, you know, it's like, because it has got that big stump to it that creates loads of spares, which everybody uses very well, uh, keeping it kind of like nice and minimal. Some really nice dynamics, the way that, you know, the in- instruments are bobbing in and out here and there and then working together. Um and it's, it's a good one from Hex, isn't it? It just kind of like breaks the album up a bit, gives it a bit more space uh, from, as you mentioned, the sort of heavier content. Yeah. Um, so Max says this is one of the tracks where the whole bludgeon the listener into submission. It could be Slate's sibling. It's not on my The Very Best of the Fall. It'd be interesting if they did it in that kind of darker Slate's kind of more aggressive style but still i think that uh, i don't know if that would have been enough for me so let's take a vote shall we ezra we know it's where you're going but please confirm that's right as i am a man with an enormous soul and soulful that does never question that soul he's so full of it and like those those of us who may be convinced otherwise i will vote for step sideways indeed pray for your souls or lack thereof like, like thereof yes um what do the people of wigan think philip well i said before before we started that i got the playlist mixed up and i thought this was going up against i thought prx was going up against chino and I, I said something controversial that i would have voted for chino but with these two up against each other i'm afraid i'm going for payout indeed as am i um and yes Max and Michael E have gone for pay your rates as well. It's easy, isn't it? Um, Alistair? Rates. Yeah. And Tim? Tim, I think I can hey. infer. So, your bleeding rates. Have a bleeding guess. Soulless. Quite easy for uh, Marky <laughs> Chachas. Probably right, Ezra. <laughs> Marky Chachas, Succession Man, and pay your rates going through easily into the second round. Third round. And uh, that is... Um, that is right and proper and exactly what should have happened. And let no one suggest that I put the best songs up against second-rate songs, thus to mean that all the songs I wanted would go through to round three. I'll hear no more of that. The end. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye.